Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for, you, for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're very thankful for your presence today. We're going to be looking again at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, as we continue our study on the strength of the church. And today we want to focus again on how the eldership is the strength and backbone of the church. And as we think about what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 13, verse 17, Really, there are two specific things that we want to address in our study. The first, of course, would have to do with their responsibilities, and then secondly, our responsibilities. And before we do that, I do want to make mention of the fact that in two weeks, on Sunday evening, our young people will be leading our services, at least that's my understanding, and I'm not sure exactly who is in the lineup in terms of who's speaking. I know that Brian has been telling me that he's been wanting to speak, and I think you never know, Brian may one day be a preacher too. But we appreciate Brian and the work that he does with Jared and our young folks. And I know that we have a lot of young, talented men in this congregation. And I really believe that there are gonna be some, some young men that will one day be preachers on a regular basis. And so I have the theory that if you keep talking it up long enough, before you know it, some will bite the bait and they will enter into the field. But we want to encourage them in every way possible. We're also very proud of our young ladies. We have a lot of young ladies in this congregation. They are a great example to young and old alike. They have a lot of spirit. And I think that in their own, in their own way, they do a lot of good, and we're very grateful for them, and we're grateful for every member that makes up this congregation. Today, as we look at Hebrews 13, 17, the writer said, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I want to begin by talking a little bit more about the responsibilities of those who serve as elders. And then I want to talk about our responsibilities as members. But first of all, let's think for a moment or two about their responsibilities. First of all, let me call attention to the attentiveness of elders. In verse 17 of chapter 13, the writer said that they watch for our souls. The word watch means to be sleepless, to keep awake, to be circumspect, attentive, ready. The word that comes to mind is vigilant. Now I understand that elders on many occasions have sleepless nights. But I think what the writer here is talking about is they are always attentive. They are ever vigilant watching over the flock, that is over the church. 
They are concerned about the church. They care about the church. They love the church. And they want to see us prosper spiritually. One of the things that I guess has always struck me about elders, they have a heart for people. They love people. And they want to see us as members under their oversight grow and excel spiritually. They pray for us on a regular basis. And, there, and really there are three very specific things that I believe elders desire from those under their oversight. Number one, it's my conviction that elders want to see us steadfast in our worship to God. They want to see us in corporate Bible study and in corporate worship. Really, what they, what they desire more than anything is to see us every time the doors are open. And the reason is because they understand that when we're present, we have the opportunity to feed on the Word of God, to commune with God through prayer, to spend time with people of like faith, to literally have our batteries recharged. We miss that when we're not present. There's a lot to be said about worshiping Almighty God on a regular basis. Now the psalmist said, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker in Psalm 95 at verse 6. Jesus talked about the importance of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. He said in John 4, 23, The Father seeks such to worship him. So elders understand that God wants us to worship him, that God desires us to come together on the first day of the week, to be present for the assemblies so that we might grow spiritually and so that we might draw closer to Almighty God. And then the second thing, I believe that elders want us to be students of the Word of God. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the ways that we grow is by spending time in this book that we call the Bible. Isaiah in the long ago said, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Peter talks about the importance of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter would say to new Christians, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Spiritual growth is a result of our efforts. We have to put the time and energy into a study, a steady diet of the word of God if we're going to grow spiritually. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so what a great opportunity that we have to spend time reading and studying this book. Now we come together on the first day of the week to worship God, to study collectively. We come together in the middle of the week to study. We even have a Tuesday morning class. And that Tuesday morning class is another opportunity for us to grow spiritually. Two weeks ago we had 67 people present for class. 
Last week we had 47. We had some people out of town. But it's just another opportunity for us to delve into the word of God. Elders want us to study collectively, but they also desire that we study individually, that we read and study the word of God in our homes, in our cars, wherever we may have the opportunity. And then the third thing, their desire is that we would serve in the church of our God. That is, that we would find opportunities for service in this congregation. The Bible tells us that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works in Ephesians 2 at verse 10. Paul would say in Titus 2 at verse 14 that we are to be zealous for good works. All of us have the opportunity to serve in some capacity. It may be the case that presently you're not involved in a specific work of the church. I want to encourage you to think about volunteering your services for the cause of Christ in this congregation. There's something for all of us to do. All of us can use whatever talents God has blessed us with to his glory. And so we want to be, we want to be together for worship and Bible study. We want to spend time studying the word of God outside of corporate worship. But we also want to find our place in the body. We want to find a niche and fill that niche. We want to stand in the gap, if you please. Now I want to think with you in the second place about the accountability of elders. I said just a moment ago that elders are attentive over the flock. Well, Hebrews chapter 13, 17 also stresses the accountability of elders. And we understand that here are men that have graciously volunteered, if you please, to put their souls on the line for us spiritually. Here are men that have met the qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, Titus chapter 1, verse 5 and following. And they have said we want to function as an overseer of this congregation. It has tremendous responsibility inherent in the role. As we think about the accountability of elders, listen again to what the writer said. For they watch out for your souls as they who must give account if I understand this correctly, elders are accountable for my spiritual welfare. Having said that, it's my conviction that elders want the very best for us. They want to see us grow and flourish, spiritually speaking. As I mentioned a moment ago, they want to see us in worship. They want to see us in the word. They want to see us involved in the work. But we want to make their work, their task, a joy. I understand that as people we have problems. We are imperfect people. And because we are imperfect people, we need the Lord. We need the Lord's church. Well, that being said, we can make their, their task a joyful one. If we will make the decision to number one, live a fruitful life. 
In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus talked about how by their fruit you shall know them. We're not in the judging business, but we can be fruit inspectors. Elders, as men who are accountable for our souls, want to see us living a fruitful life in Christ Jesus. You see, the Lord said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit in John 15, verse eight. In Matthew chapter five, verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We bear fruit in a number of ways. We bear fruit by being involved in the work of the church, by evangelizing, by edifying, by extending a helping hand to those who are in need, by bearing one another's burdens and extending help to those who are in need. But we also bear fruit through a life of holiness. You see, they want to see us growing spiritually. They want to see a holy life. They want to see people who are striving to the best of their ability to live a Christ-like life. And they have set the table, so to speak, in the sense that they have provided for us opportunities of worship, opportunities for Bible classes, opportunities for service in the church. These are ways that enable us to be more Christ-like, to be serving, to be what God would have us to be. So we want to be living a fruitful life, and then in the second place, we want to live a faithful life. Now listen again to what the Hebrew writer said. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Elders want to serve, and they want, they want to be there for us. Our elders, they love us, they're concerned about us, they want the very best for us, and one day they're gonna stand before God and give an account to him for us. My prayer is that they can do so with joy. My prayer is that they can say, here's somebody who faithfully and fruitfully served in the kingdom as long as they were under our oversight. Granted, there are people that have problems. There are people that succumb to temptation. There are people that are not what they ought to be. And it would be heartbreaking for elders, I believe, to stand before the Lord and to say, you know what, we tried to work with this brother or this sister time and again, and they just would not listen. They would not straighten up. They would not live as they should have lived. We did everything we could do for them. Elders are on our side. They want the best for us, and I hope I hope that in some way that has been conveyed. Now, secondly, what about our responsibilities? What is it that the Lord expects from me as a member of the local church? First of all, let me talk to you about how I believe we ought to have an appreciation for elders. We ought to have a, a deep appreciation for men who are willing to serve in this capacity. Not everyone is cut out to be an elder. Not everyone's cut out to be a deacon. Not everyone's cut out to be a preacher. 
a song leader, a teacher, etc. But men who step up to the plate and are, and are willing to serve as elders in the Lord's church, they deserve our highest appreciation. We ought to be appreciative for everything they do for the cause of Christ. You see, what they're striving to do is lead the church in the paths of righteousness. So number one, I want to suggest to you that one of our obligations is to be supportive of the elders. Let me just cite for you some of the ways that we can support the elders in this congregation. Number one, we can pray for our elders and their wives daily. We ought to pray for them. Here are men that have willingly assumed the role of our overseer. Their task is enormous. Their responsibilities are unbelievable. And we ought to go before the throne of God on their behalf. I suspect that they would welcome our prayers on their behalf. I think about the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the saints in Thessalonica. He introduced his letter or his epistle by saying that he was praying for these brethren. But in chapter 5, verse 25, here's what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. Brethren, pray for us. I know that the elders would welcome our prayers on their behalf. We ought to pray for Brother D.O. and Donna daily. We ought to pray for Brother George and Carolyn daily. We ought to pray for Brother Tim and Becky daily. Pray that, pray that God will bless them with strength and wisdom, with fortitude. And let me just say something about the wives of elders. It's not easy being the mate of an elder. Sometimes, sadly, elders face a lot of criticism. Sometimes they are criticized. Sometimes their wives are exposed to criticism. That's not easy. It's not easy to hear criticism directed at someone that you love and admire and appreciate. And so we ought to stand behind our elders and their wives. We ought to pray for them. My prayer for the wives of our elders is that they would constantly be supportive and encouraging to their husbands because that's so necessary. And then secondly, I would submit that we ought to encourage our elders. The name Barnabas is synonymous with encouragement. Barnabas, as a member of the first century church, and you can read about this in Acts chapter 11, was a great encourager. We ought to strive to encourage our elders. Encourage them in their work. Encourage them in their decisions. Encourage them in their, in their activities on our behalf. We ought to do that regularly. I would imagine that elders probably get more criticism than compliments. It really shouldn't be that way. 
Now, I understand that all of us, we all have a say. We don't all get, the, get our way, but we ought, we ought to voice our opinion about things. But sometimes people within the church are constantly criticizing decisions and things that are going on in the church. What I would encourage us to do, what I would encourage all of us as members, find the things that are being done well and compliment our elders. Let them know we appreciate them. Let me tell you what, you can only be beaten down so long. Everybody needs to be told, job well done. I'm not saying that our elders are perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying any of us are perfect. But every now and then, it sure helps to have somebody say, you know what, you're doing a good job. We appreciate you. Thirdly, I would suggest that we hold up their hands in the work. If you go back and look at Exodus chapter 17, God's people had been delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians. Pharaoh and his army, they had been consumed. Well, Moses in his narration of the events in chapter 17 tells us that Joshua took some men and went to war against Amalek. And in that context, Moses stood before the people and you know what happened? He became weary. And so here's what, here's, what, here's what was done on his behalf. They took a stone and put it under him so that he could sit down. And then you had Aaron on one side and her on the other side, and they held his hands up. Why'd they do that? I think one of the things they did, they understood he was weary. He needed some help. And I would encourage us to lift high, to hold up the hands of our elders. It's a tough job. Not everyone's cut out to be an elder. And so we ought to lift high their hands. And then fourthly, may I suggest that we willingly and gladly accept whatever labors come our way in the church. If the elders ask us, can you do this? Or could you do that? Or would you possibly be interested in doing this? If at all possible, would you please say yes? I think about Isaiah in the long ago. Isaiah had the opportunity to see the Lord high and lifted up. He saw the seraphim cry out, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. And the Bible tells us that deity asked the question, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And here's what Isaiah said, here am I, send me. We could make the elder's job so easy. If all of us would simply say, here am I, send me. Let me be used. Let me teach, let me do this, let me do that. Look, you and I, we have, we have many opportunities for service. All I want to do is encourage us to be ready, to be ready to serve. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in Titus chapter 3 at verse 1 that we are to be ready unto every good work. 
We're sitting on go. We're ready to go. All we need is somebody to say, here's what you need to do. We're ready to go. Now, there's another thing that I believe we owe our elders. That is, we are to be submissive to them. Listen again to what the writer said in verse 17. Obey those who rule or lead over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Elders have the responsibility of upholding the law of King Jesus. Elders do not create law. They do not create laws, plural. What they seek to do is uphold the teaching of the New Testament. They understand that all authority rests with Jesus Christ, according to Matthew 28, 18. They understand that everything that we do in word or deed must be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 3, 17. Their goal is to simply uphold the law of King Jesus. And in upholding the law of King Jesus, what they strive to do is make sure that his will is executed on earth. Elders' responsibilities are confined to a local congregation. They have no jurisdiction over another church. But rather in the New Testament, you read about autonomous congregations. And within that context, you have men who serve as elders, deacons, evangelists, members, etc. But elders want to make sure that the work of the church is executed. And so when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, they're concerned about evangelism. When the Bible talks about how we are to be edified or built up in the church, then they want to make sure that that's executed. When the Bible talks about bearing one another's burdens and doing good unto all them that are in need, then they try to ensure that that's done. I know that our elders are concerned about the lost. I know they're concerned about helping other people. I know that they want to see the church built up. And I applaud them for what they do. Now, with regard to being submissive to elders. They also have the authority to make decisions in the realm of expediency. When they make certain decisions, then it's our responsibility to be submissive. Let me just cite for you a couple of examples. What do we mean when we talk about they have authority in matters of expediency? Well, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They have to decide how that's going to be accomplished. I remember many years ago, I had a friend of mine who is now deceased, and he was a member of the old Wooddale congregation. His name was Dwayne, Dwayne Law, and Dwayne was a great man. I loved him. And he and his wife became very close friends of Nancy and me. As a matter of fact, his wife visited our services the first of this year. And Dwayne said that they would sometimes have meetings with the men of the congregation. And there would be occasions where 
apparently some of the men might question some of the decisions that were being made. And Dwayne said that he would tell the men, listen, this is not a democracy. The church isn't a democracy. It's not. Now, we can all have our say, but as Brother Gus Nichols said, we can't all have our way. So when the elders make the decision that they're going to go in a particular in a particular way regarding evangelism, then it's our responsibility to be supportive of them, to be submissive of them. If they decide that they're going to support a missionary in Africa or in some other region or locally, then what do we do? We stand behind them. By the same token, let's just say that elders decide that they're going to hire a preacher. Do they have that right? Absolutely. Well, what if over a period of time they decide that what's best for the church is to make a change? Do they have that, do they have that right? Do they have that authority? If they had the authority to hire them, then they have the authority to replace them. You see, that falls under the heading of expediency. They have to decide what's best for the church. There may come a day when the elders decide that what they need is a fresh face in the pulpit. And if that be the case, then my, my prayer would be that we could make the transition as smoothly as possible. We don't want to do anything to disrupt the church. As a matter of fact, what we want to see is this church grow and abound. I want to be supportive of whatever decisions they make. Sometimes those decisions may affect me. What I have to understand is it's not personal. It's about what's best for the church. And that goes for a lot, of, a lot of decisions that are made. When elders decide to help a certain family or they decide that we're going to allocate so much money to be spent for benevolence or some other work, what I want to do is stand behind them and say, look, you know what's best. You see the need. I want to support you and do what I can. So what's our responsibilities? What are our responsibilities? Well, number one, we support our elders. And number two, we submit to our elders. We're grateful for them. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this day. We're grateful for the opportunity to think about the church the leaders of the church, and we're grateful for the wisdom of having men who are willing to serve in the role of elders. We are grateful, Father, for our elders. We pray, Father, at this time that you would bless Brother D.O. and Donna White, that you would bless Brother George and Carolyn Jacobs, that you would bless Brother Tim and Becky Cathy, Bless them with strength, wisdom. May they have many more years to serve. And Father, we're thankful for every member of the church here, and we're grateful for the peace and the harmony that we enjoy. And we're thankful for the servant mentality that's present in the lives of so many people. And Father, we pray that the church in this location will be a bright and shining light for good for many years to come. We pray that you would use us to your glory. Forgive us when we fall short. We pray, Father, that one day that we might 
so live that a home in heaven is ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe you're here today and you're not a member of the Lord's Church. Could we encourage you to come to Christ? Could we encourage you to realize that Jesus is the good shepherd and Jesus said the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus died so that you and I might have the hope of eternal life. If you're here today and you've never responded to heaven's invitation, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. On Pentecost Day, those who responded to the gospel were baptized into Christ. The Bible says that they were baptized for the remission of their sins, Acts 2.38. When they did that, the Lord added them to his body, Acts 2, verse 47. At that point in time, they became the recipients of all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3, one of which, eternal life, Titus 1.2. If you're here today, maybe you're not faithful, maybe your life is not what it ought to be, could we encourage you? Come home to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing? Thank Brother Mike Hickson for the lesson that he has shared with us this morning from God's Word. We appreciate him so much. And 